In your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of 2 Peter. We're studying the signs of the times. Last night, last night, last, last Wednesday, we looked at 2 Peter chapter 3 and what this is all about. And it's about worship. Everybody say worship. Now we could, look, you know, we could talk about end times, talk about Israel, talk about the church, talk about all kinds of things, but you got to understand that there is an entity loosed upon this earth, came through, the, came through sin and his own, his own uh, expression of his life toward God, ended up uh, falling out of heaven itself, and he was so very familiar with worship that he thought it was something that should be granted unto him. He wanted, he wanted people to worship him. He wanted angels to worship him. And of course, that, that cost him everything. And now in this day and hour, God is looking for a people that worship. John bears that out. John chapter 4, very plain, the woman at the well, where Jesus said that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, for God seeketh such. So we know that worship encompasses many things. We've said it before in teaching on praise and worship that it's not just the slow song that we sing. Many times worship is literally your act of sacrifice in order to obey God. Many times in obedience to God, there is an element of sacrifice. People don't like that, but it really doesn't make any difference to God because God realizes what sacrifice can produce in your life. Many times your act of faith, you, you sacrifice, you give up. Now let me say this and, and, and take it the right way. But this is a day and an hour where you're going to need to learn, and we're learning this, you're going to need to learn to serve God with everything that you have. Now, I know people would say, well, well, well Pastor, that, that's easy for you to say because you're a preacher. Don't ever let that be an excuse for you not to do something spiritually. You know, when you look at somebody else and say, well, if I was them, I could really be spiritual. Or, or if I didn't have this job or have to, have to work at this business. Then I, that, that, listen, that, God, that doesn't impress God at all. He's looking for more than just a consecration. He's looking for our lives. I've said that many times of, of you know, uh, going down to the altar as a kid growing up, a young teenager, and consecrating, committing myself to the Lord after, after missing it so many times. And it never worked. It, it, never, it literally never worked for me. Then coming back to the Lord, falling into that same routine, and literally just being so frustrated I didn't know what to do. Till I finally just cried out to God, said, God, what I do? And God spoke to me. He said, no more consecrations, no more commitments. Give me your life. He said, that's what I gave you. So you give me your life and everything will be fine. And ever since then, it's been fine. That doesn't mean that I had not had any trials, trouble, or tribulation. That means between me and God, it's been fine. Amen? And it's something we're growing into by the understanding of the Word of God, the wooing and the drawing of the Spirit, because I sense right now a greater drawing of the Spirit in the lives of people that are submissive to Him more than ever before. You say, well, Pastor, you know, you talk about praying, you talk about studying the Word, and sometimes it seems like such a labor. Start doing it more, and you'll find it'll draw you right into it. It'll just pull you right into it. I mean, that's the day and the hour we're living in. Now, here in, here in 2 Peter, did I tell you that? 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to begin to look at some things tonight. I would call this qualifications for, for, for being a part of what God is doing in the last days. Not only that, qualifications 
for the rapture. Everybody say the rapture. Did you know the Bible talks about qualifications for, for the rapture of the church? Now listen, I heard uh, some people, you know, a lot of people that teach talk about how in the, in the, in the Gospels that there's really no references to the rapture of the church. Most of what Jesus is talking about in the Gospels is his second coming. But you know, I, I, I'd have to cross swords with some people on that because of John chapter 14 where he says, you know, in my, in my uh, house there are many mansions. I, I go to prepare a place for you and then I will come back and receive you unto myself. That, that, that really doesn't refer at all uh, to his second coming. That refers to him coming back and receiving unto himself us. I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to receive you to myself. And I'm going to take you back to a place where I've been preparing a mansion for you. Isn't that powerful? Now, notice here in, 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 in 2 Peter chapter 3, let's start in verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, this is kind of a, you know, I don't know if you can wrap your mind around this. I've had, I've had some, some, you know, trying to just think about this and, you know, com praying, communicating with God. But actually, there's never been a global event happen that has affected the entire planet since the flood. Now, you think about that. You say, well, Pastor, what about World War II? We talked about this other. World War II was a world war. World War, world war, world war I was a world war. Uh, it, you know, it, it encompassed the entire world. But listen, the, the fighting was isolated. They, they really never fought any battles in America, uh, South America, Canada, Mexico. So it, it, was, it was a world war, meaning that the entire world was, was caught up in this war. <coughs> Excuse me. But, but in reality, it did not affect the entire planet. Now, I know some of the pandemics, I went and read about some of the pandemics of the past, uh, uh, even the, the, the Spanish flu uh, back in 1917, 18, and 19 uh, killed 50 million people. But there were isolated areas of the world that it had no effect whatsoever. But this thing seems to have, have affected the entire planet. And listen, the fact that every government would cooperate with this is literally a manifestation of the unseen control that is on this world that is above all governments. Now, let me help you just a moment. This, this, this may help you. Do you remember in, in Matthew chapter 4 what we call the temptations of Jesus, the temptations of Christ, the last one which was a spiritual temptation. And Jesus, uh, Satan came to his mind and he, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, now I will give these unto you if you will bow down and worship me. How many remember that? Reading that in the Bible. Now listen, that could not be a legitimate temptation unless he was the owner, possessor, manipulator of all the nations of the world, which he was at that time. Amen. He was through right. He was through that which he manipulated Adam into doing and Adam gave his authority over to Satan and Satan became the god of this world. G, little g of this world. World system, cosmos as it is in the, in, in the Greek many times in translation. Now, with that in mind, understand this. When Jesus rose from the dead, he broke that power. But he did not break the implementation 
of the adversary's control over the nation because the governments of the world remained ignorant of the resurrection of Christ and basically one government, the Roman government, all they tried to do was pull it into their own government and that's what Catholicism is. Government and, and, and what Christ did mixed together and what happened? The holiness of what Christ did and the wretchedness of Rome, they did not offset. The holiness did not affect the wretchedness. The wretchedness affected the holiness. But all down through the last 2,000 years, there have been men and women who have cried out for God and said, Lord, there's got to be more. There's got, you know, you talk about all the different denominations, the Presbyterians, the, the Baptists, the Methodists. They all began with a great heart hunger on the inside and God granted them answers to their prayer by either giving them scripture or demonstration. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, for the Pentecostals, it was demonstration. Amen. The Baptists, you know, what, you know what the Baptists started over? The Baptists started over this reality, that every individual has the right to go to God on their own. You don't need a priest, you don't need a cardinal, you don't need a pope. Every person that's born again or people that are not born again, you have the right to go to God for yourself without an intermediary in between here on the earth. Jesus has opened that way up and you have the right to do it. That was the foundation of, that, of, that, of literally that entire denomination. Amen. And they still believe in the new birth today. Very strong soul winners. Very much believe in the new birth. Oh, we could talk about all the different, uh, uh, the Lutherans that came out of Martin Luther. The just shall live by faith. Amen. Now here we are in, in apparently the, the last of the last days. So what does it say? It says during this time, what's going to happen? Scoffers are going to rise up. You know what scoffers are? They're the people that always criticize. They're the people that always have another angle, another bend that's always negative. There's nothing positive about scoffers. Amen. Now here's what they're scoffing. It says, saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they are from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly, for, for this they willingly are ignorant of the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water, and they perished. So he, here's what they were. Here's what God's retort or response to them is: You know that everything has not continued the way it should from creation. There was an interruption with a flood. And it destroyed, one, one, one uh, scripture in Peter says, it destroyed the old world and only eight were saved out of it, being Noah and those. That same spirit, that same mentality is on the earth today. Well, where is the God of the Bible? Where are the signs, the wonders, the miracles? You know, where, where is this guy Jesus who says he's going to come? There's all kinds of that going on right now. I mean, there are people that are scoffing at Christianity, scoffing at what we believe. I mean, even our nation, the Judeo-Christian idea of one nation being, quote, under God is literally being destroyed. If you don't see it, all you got to do is open your eyes. Amen. Now notice this. It says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years is of one day. I love this next verse. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, 
But now notice this. But is long-suffering to usward. Oh, this is so good. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Amen. Now let me read this. I brought my Passion Translation. I'm going to read this in the Passion Translations. It says there, so dear friends, don't let this one thing escape your notice. A single day counts a thousand years to the Lord, or to the Lord Yahweh, and a thousand years counts as one day. This means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with His promises to return, as some measure lateness. Now listen, but rather His delay simply reveals His loving patience toward you because He does not want any to perish but all to come to repentance. Amen? Now I know years ago I heard a, heard a man teaching on some things that it really wasn't end time teaching but it had to do with Jesus' return, the rapture, but he wasn't putting, you know, Israel and all these kind of things together. He was more of a, a teacher and exhorting uh, the, the, this conference in some things about the ability of God to set up things before we get to him in time. He's already working on blessings for your life that you're going to receive next year or the next year. It was a great teaching. But one of the things he said, now this was in 1997 or 98 when I heard this. He said... If the rapture of the church does not take place by the year 2010, then the numerology of eschatology, which literally people from time to time try to set dates with, he said, but the numerology, you add up all these different variables of the, of the 70 weeks and the, all these different things. And he said, if Jesus does not, now this guy, his name was Roy Hicks for if anybody wants to go study his, his teachings. Uh, he was one of the founders or one of the main uh, 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 leaders in the Foursquare movement. And Foursquare is kind of like Assembly of God. And he said, if Jesus does not return for the church, if there's not the rapture of the church that takes place by the year 2010, then all of the numerology side of eschatology is wrong, which has been proven. We're in 2020. So here's the key. Notice what it says in the Passion Bible. The Lord is not late with His promise to return, as some measure lateness, but rather His delay. So I, with all my heart, believe we are living in the delay. Amen? That many of those teachers, and some of them were profound teachers. What was that tugboat driver's name that got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost? Wrote, wrote a book about the end times. Anyway, I'll think of it here in a minute. But uh, he was a profound end times teacher, still around today. And several others that I've heard over the years and would talk about, you know, the times and the seasons, the things that were going on, things that were going on in Israel. But look, we are living in that delay where God has delayed his return so that other people can get saved and miss what all this craziness that is fixing to come on the earth and in the spirit realm is going to be. Thank God for the delay. I said, thank God for the delay. Now let me read it again. Read it amplified. It says, uh, let me find it here. I thought I had it marked. 
The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about about what he promises according to some people's conception of slowness. I love this. He is long-suffering and extraordinarily patient. Did you know that your prayer over loved ones and friends may be saying, God may be saying, you know, not, not yet, not yet, not yet. I'll tell you something that happened to me years ago. This is about 1988, 89, right in there. I was asked to come hold a series of meetings in a church in Austin, Texas called uh, Austin Revival Center. And this was an old school Pentecostal church. I mean, they were, they were just Pentecostal as they could be. And uh, they had a beautiful robed choir, church of about five or 600 members, beautiful robed choir. And on Sunday morning, they got up and they sang this song about heaven. And it was glorious. And the anointing was there. And the power of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost just flooded into that, that meeting. And the pastor got up in the church and just exhorted the church and just said, you know, one of these days uh, uh, Jesus is going to come and he's going to rapture us all out of it and just went on and on. And the church was roaring and all this kind of stuff. And as he did that, the Spirit of God fell on me. And I'm like, you know, what is this all about? I was ready to get up and preach. And I'll never forget what happened. I got up and, and, you know, I was only four or five years into the ministry. And not near as familiar with spiritual things as I am today. And I got up and this, these words started coming out of my mouth with no edit from my mind with nothing. And it's, this, is what, this, is what it was, this is what was said. It said, if you're ready to get out and to go, then you are damning multitudes of people to die and go to hell. God is not looking for a church that is saying, get us out, get us out, get us out. God is looking for a church that is praying, give us one more day, give us one more week, give us one more crusade, give us one more conference, give us one more chance to touch the world with the gospel of the Lord. You could have heard a pin drop. I thought, boy, I done messed this thing up. But by the time that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was over, we had a glorious revival and God really touched those people. Now listen, that is a mentality that we must adapt. And in order to adapt it, we must understand we're living in that place in which God is delaying some things so that your loved ones, my loved ones, your neighbors, my neighbors might hear the gospel and be afforded the choice that you were afforded and you made the choice to get born again. Did you know that is our responsibility? Thank you for the roaring amens coming forth from the crowd. Amen? I thank God that the person that led you to the Lord, I thank God they led you to the Lord. Aren't you? Every seed reproduces after its own kind in the kingdom. You need to be... And listen, this is not a day to beat around the bush. This is a day to press. This is a day to scare people because they're already afraid. They're already in fear. This is a time to walk up to people and say, are you going to hell? Burn forever? Is that what you want? Say, no, you wouldn't do that. Yes! You you say, you really think times are that serious? Hang around a few more months. See what you think. Amen? This is a time to not only live for God, but to do that which the Word says that identifies us as those people that are doing what is necessary to be the candidates to be pulled out of here. I don't want to be here for seven years of junk.
Amen. Amen. And I don't want my head cut off. I like my head. You may not like it. I do. It helps my body get around. Go if you will. How am I going to do this, Lord? I got so much. I, I shouldn't study so much because when I do, I get all these scriptures. Go, go all the way over to, let me find it here. Go all the way over to Mark chapter 13. Now let's begin to look for some things that qualify you. How many want to be qualified? Amen. Amen. Did you know 318 times from Matthew through Revelation, 318 times, the words Jesus is coming back is used? Shouldn't that make that a major doctrine of the Bible? That Jesus is coming back? 318 times. Now notice, read there if you will, for, la- for sake of time, read there if you will, let's, let's look at verse uh, Look at verse 30. Jesus is speaking, actually Jesus is speaking of the, of the end of, the, of the, when the earth will be removed, when the, a new earth, new heaven, all these types of things. But now listen to this. Verse 30, Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass away till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, Neither the Son, but the Father. Now notice this. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. Everybody say, watch and pray. Now this begins qualifications for end time believers. Number one, you're going to have to watch and pray. Watch and pray. Today I was on the phone with several different pastors. I actually talked to uh, to Pastor from Christopher Alam today and different ones. And we were talking about the necessity for prayer. I'm asking all of them to pray with me about our fall harvest conference. I feel a real pressing in my spirit that we need to gather together. Everybody we know. We've already had people talking about, yeah, we're going to Galveston in October. We know God's been speaking to us about we're supposed to be in Galveston in October. Supposed to be there. Well, here's the reason why. We're about two weeks from from an election when we have fall harvest, and we need to get together and pray and intercede and be refreshed and get assignments and get instructions so that we can launch ourselves into 2021 in the will of God and that which God wants to do. These other men have had to cancel theirs. We've canceled many meetings. We had this, we had this year so booked up, y'all wasn't going to see much of me this year. I'm serious. But God has done something different. There is a delay. And I believe in that delay is a preparation. We must what? Watch and pray. Everybody say watch and pray. You must discern the difference, oh my goodness, I don't want to go that direction. You must discern the difference between living for God and living for yourself. Now let me say that again. You must discern the difference between living for God and living for yourself. I don't know about you, I mean, I, when I was not living for God, I could not see myself living for God the way I am right right now. I I couldn't. There was no conception of that in my mind. There was no, uh, I don't know how to to describe it. There was no, no way to conceive of a picture of what that meant. But as I began to 
prepare myself for ministry, as I begin to learn how to pray, as I begin to learn how to study the Word, I begin to see the difference. I tried my best to be a Christian and live for myself. I did. I, I tried very hard. I went to, uh, I was 28 years old. It had been about eight years since I, since I rodeoed. So I went to a, to a rodeo school, got myself prepared. And I signed up for two rodeos. I canceled them both. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'll cancel every rodeo between here and Calgary until you obey me. And I, I got a picture of what it meant to live for God and not for myself. I wanted to be a hunting guy, a fishing guy. I thought, Lord, I'll, I'll witness to people. I'll, I'll put a little Christian fish on my card. I'll, I'll, you know. And the Lord said, that's not what I want. I want you to give me your life. Amen. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean those are the only type of people, the only type of people that can do that are ministers or preachers. That's not true. I've seen businessmen, uh, my own mom and my grandmother. I see uh, my dad who's an attorney. I've seen many people in their lives give themselves over to God to the point they are not living for themselves, they're living for God. In that mentality of your mind and heart, you will find it necessary and easy to watch and pray. Everybody say watch and pray. Now, let me just say this. The demand that God puts upon you in obedience, now listen to this, increases with your obedience. A lot of people, they, they, they see things they'd like to do, uh, maybe even spiritually, uh, go on a missions trip, uh, uh, give a large offering to build a building or to, to do some type of missions work, uh, you know, whatever it may be. They have it in their heart to do it. And they, they, they stand here and they look over there and thought, I'd sure like to do that. I'd sure like to do that. But God has several steps for you to make to get to the place in which you are willing and obedient to do that in such a way that he can use you to do it supernaturally. And did you know, there's a lot of people that have dreams to do things like that and never see them fulfilled. Never see them fulfilled. But this is a day, this is an hour in which I believe the assignments of God are just flying out of heaven. And not just for preachers, pastors, churches, and evangelists. I believe for anybody that will dare to serve God. In your job, your family, every place you go, anything that you do, God wants to hand His hand of favor and actually His hand of protection. Anybody been listening to our series on protection? Now, let me help you with that. If you're not listening to it, go back and start listening to it because I think if I'm not right, uh, wrong, Philippe, I think uh, tonight, uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, and then Thursday night and Friday night, we're teaching on Psalms 91. So you need to go back and listen to those ones on Psalm, Psalms 91 and see how you can be protected in the evil day or in the Bible calls that day, which for the world is evil, for, but, but, but for the church it's glorious. Amen? Now, where are we? Mark 13. Go over to, let me find it here. Go over to Hebrews chapter 9. Here's another good one. Hebrews chapter 9. Let me find it here. I've written in this Bible too much. I need to get me a new one. Think of that last verse. Yeah. Verse, find it here, there's a glare on it. 
verse, is that 28, the last verse of, of uh, chapter 9, verse 28? So Christ, once offered to bear the sins of many, was once offered to bear the sins of many. Now notice this. And unto them that look for him shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Listen to this in the Amplified. Even so it is that Christ, having been offered to take upon himself and bear as a burden the sins of many once and once for all, will appear the second time not to carry any burden of sin or to deal with sin, but to bring to full salvation. Now listen, I like this. Those who are eagerly, consistently or constantly and patiently waiting for and expecting Him. Now everybody say expectation. Watch and pray. Now here's, this takes it to another level. Watch and pray. Expectation. Do you really expect? Do you really? Now we can, we can throw that out. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. I was telling uh, Pastor Mark today, uh, I was talking to him about, you know, when I was a kid and, and the prophecies would go out and the tongues and interpretation and they, many times it would include, and I'm coming quickly and I'm coming back and I'm coming back. How it would incite in the church. People would run. We had big wooden altars on both sides. Women prayed on one side, men prayed on the other side, but they would run to the altar. People would run to the altar and lay on the altar and weep and cry and say, Lord, forgive me. I've been doing this, but they would get right with God because there was such an intensity in the words that would go out. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. That the church has lost that. That's another reason why there's a delay. It's because the church does not expect it any more than the world does. Amen. If we did, we'd act a whole lot different. That's why we're teaching on growing up spiritually. That's why we're teaching on the signs of the times. That's why we're teaching on the protections of God. That's why we're teaching on all these things because we're here. We're here right now. There are ominous things in the spirit realm that are going on right now. There's darkness upon this earth like there never has been. There's some of the craziest, I mean some of the craziest things that are going on all over the world, not just here in the United States. You can't hardly watch the news anymore without thinking it's some kind of a sci-fi movie. Amen. And all the things Satan is trying to initiate. He's been, he's, been trying to, he's been trying to start a race war in this country for years. He's still doing that. He's still doing that. The economic side of everything that is going on. People are, people are, are they're, they're, they're just freaking out over it. And all they're talking about, the suicide rate is 80% higher. The two months that this has gone on, that it's 80% higher than the previous two months. 80% higher. They say that, 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 that China has flooded America with fentanyl and that the opioid deaths that were around 38 to 40 a day have risen to 100 to 120 a day. People are just dying like flies because that drug is so potent. Amen. We can't be passive. These are the days, these are the perilous times that the Apostle Paul was telling Timothy about. And you know what's unique about Paul? Paul said this, he said, I'm a son born out of time. He had revelations. He could see down the portal of time and he could tell, he could tell, rapture's not going to happen in my time. It ain't going to happen. 
So he warned us and warned us and warned us and gave us scripture and showed us, and we're going to get into some of this, of all of the, how can we call it? We could call it uh, uh, marks on the page of the word of God that shows us this is right where we are. This is where we are. And it talks about especially the sexual promiscuity and perversion of what God gave man like it was in the days of Noah, now it is upon the earth today. It's absolutely crazy. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's things we couldn't even preach from the pulpit because they're so bizarro. And then you get the other side of this where people have lost their identity. Men don't know if they're men. Women don't know if they're women. They're telling, telling parents, don't even name your child till they're old enough to talk and walk so they can tell you who they are. You laugh at that? Look it up. They're teaching people to do that right now. Remember what we said years ago? It doesn't take much. How many remember? Anybody remember the revelation? Just take a peek. God made it real easy to tell if you're a man or a woman. One look. Amen? <laughs> well, I'm just trying to help you. But what a crazy world. And as it says in the old covenant, the old they're going to call evil good. Good, evil. Listen, there are some things that if you came out against openly and spoke against it that are absolute sins named in the Bible of those whose minds have been reprobate and turned over to Satan himself. And if you stood up against and said, that's not of God, that's of the devil, that is, yeah, I guarantee you, you might, you might end up in jail. That could be determined. Much of the preaching of the late 50s and 60s on sin would be called hate speech today. But it's not. It's the Word of God. There is a purpose in which God created us for. There is a way to fulfill that purpose. That purpose got distorted in the garden and the results of that have put us where we are today. An amazing time. An amazing time. Where were we? Hebrews chapter 9. That's it. Even so that Christ, having been offered to take upon himself, now notice this, and bear as a burden the sins of many once and for all, will appear a second time not to carry any burden of sin, nor to deal with sin, but to, oh man, I can't believe you didn't shout and run around the church on this one, but to bring to full salvation. Well, pastor, what, what, what difference does it make if, if we're not watching and praying, if we're not looking for His coming, if we're not, what? You're going to miss what it means to inherit the fullness of your salvation. You're only living with the down payment right now. One third of you is redeemed. And the Bible says in 1 John, the evil one cannot touch your spirit man any longer. Iniquity is gone. Righteousness is there. Now really the only relative thing to your spirit is growth and development. But your mind is twisted and your flesh is dying. And in a moment, actually the translation from the Aramaic, uh, Aramaic to the Greek, in, the, in a moment, in an atomic second, 
your mind will clear like a fog. And you will have knowledge that was unlearned. It will be imparted. And your body, every blemish, every pain, every part of your body that's part of the fall will be totally eradicated and you will step into a glorified body. That's what you'll need to be in the presence of God. That's what you'll need to be in the presence of God. But the other side of that is, is every person who is not written down in the Lamb's book of life in which God says, I'm going to blot their name out. That means God puts everyone's name in the Lamb's book of life. See, we've always thought, and I've preached it, and I've even done altar calls. Come on down, get saved, and God will write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Did you know that is not scriptural? In reality, every person born on the planet gets put in the book. And you have a lifetime to keep from getting it blotted out. But if you die without Christ, if you die in your sins, then your name is blotted out. Then the Bible talks about it. We'll get, you're not ready for this yet. So I'm going to wait a few weeks till I get you ready. But we're going to look into the Word of God and see where there are believers right now who are saved and belong to God who because of the rejection of what God is doing in the last days are going to miss that catching away. Amen? And God is going to have to blot their names out of the book because they take that mark. Amen? And listen. I know that people try to figure out what all that 666 stuff and all that stuff. Listen, there's deeper meanings to what a lot of people think that is. I got over to some of that, was studying that the other day, and the Lord was showing me these different, these different things there. That it says they come up out of the earth. You know what that means? That means they came just like you do. These are people born. These are people born that devils possess and they become entities on the earth. The Bible talks about them doing signs, doing wonders, doing miracles. It talks about one giving life to a statue. You ever read that? You know what that is? That's robotics. No man has any power to give life to anybody. He's going to have this robot doing all these miracles, so-called miracles, and he's going to demand you bow down and worship. If you don't, they'll chop your head off. You want to be around then? Not me. That's why it used to haunt me when I was in sin. Jesus is coming back. Would rise up in my spirit. I know if he's coming back, I ain't going. That's why it needs to come back into the church. That's why we need to watch. We need to pray. And we need to be looking. Everybody say watch. Pray and be looking. Now we couple this with what we taught last week. Gathering together to worship. Gathering to, what is the rapture of the church? It is where, it's where we are gathered together to worship. The saints come down, the saints goes up. Those that are in the graves, won't that be a unique event? When all those graves pop open and those glorified bodies come out, amen, and we meet our loved ones in the air. And we're caught up to worship. But every church service has the same definition. Gathered together to worship. Gathered together to worship. Gathered together to worship. Gathered. That's why it says in Hebrews, do not forsake the gathering together to worship of yourselves, even more so as that day draws near. Now let me close with this. Can you imagine the ecstasy? I mean, there ain't no drug, no alcohol, no, 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 nothing. Nothing that you can do on this earth that will produce the ecstasy 
of stepping out of a death-doomed body into a glorified body. Can you imagine that? A body that will not age, a body that will not be subject to any disease, a body that cannot die. But see, that's not preserved just for believers. That's preserved for every human being that has ever stood on this earth. And you've got to understand the ecstasy of the reward as compared to the punishment in between the two ought to be the foundation of why you want to serve God with everything you've got. You say, what is that? You will step into that glorified body and you will be sent to a place of eternal torment where you cannot die because you are in a glorified body. That is reserved for every person who will not make Jesus Lord and Savior or who will not serve Him in these days and hours. And that is not what we want for anybody. Jesus knew that. I don't think, you know, we know by Scripture that hell was not created for human beings. Do you know that. It's in the Word. We can show it to you if you need to show it to you. But the hell, the Bible says God had to enlarge hell. He talks about death rising up to meet us. He, he did not create us to die. He did not create hell for humanity to go into and be punished. And could you imagine to his own horror when he began to see the results of the fall and that in which men and women became spiritually separated from God, dying in that condition and going to a place of eternal separation where they should never have gone in the first place. Amen? And you think about those that are there now, how they can't get out of it. I've heard testimonies of, uh, of especially... Uh, Brother Hagin's testimony, he went three different times uh, dying as a young child and went down, down, down into that place and, a, and, and an entity grabbed him and was fixing to throw him into hell and Jesus spoke out of heaven three different times and he finally came back. He said the third time, I hit the ground praying and got saved, got born again. Listen, God has made it so easy to be rid of the effects of your first birth and to be born again. That, that, that literally the scriptures say it like this. A fool or a wayfaring person talking about somebody of very low degree. Anyone can enter into it. And our message and our life must preach the gospel now more than ever. More than ever. That is our destiny. And listen, don't get me wrong. God wants to bless you. God wants to do wonderful things for you financially, physically. I heard Dr. Lester Summerall say this, and I, I love Dr. Summerall. He was just a powerful man of God. And in the midst of a lot of error in the prosperity movement, and he was, he, listen, he was a man that believed God for C-130 airplanes. I was on his, his personal jet that he flew. He was a man that had wealth. But this is what he said. He said, if I die a rich man, I've denied the gospel I'm called to preach. And I watched him the latter years of his life empty out every blessing that God had ever given him in helping touch the world through the assignment that God had given him, which was a, which was a divine plan of feeding hungry Christians through the churches so the hungry could come to the churches, hear the gospel, and know that they got that food that's in their belly tonight from Jesus who loves them who's not trying to force them into something or do it, but this is just his love toward them.
Millions were saved because of that. God's got insights, ideas, concepts for every one of us as individuals and for the church also. He's just looking for someone who's going to live their life for God, no matter what. And listen, I don't know about other times, other days. I'm alive now. I have not found a, difficult, a difficulty factor where you would say, Brother, it's, it's really hard today. I found just the opposite. If you can't look and see, you know, if you're standing on a train track and a train's coming, there's more than just your sight that will tell you the train's coming. Amen? There's the whistle on the train. There's the track of shaking. There's the sound of the engine. There's so many different things other than just what you see. And the same thing's true right now. There's some things coming, church, like a train down a track that you better get under the hand of God's favor, protection, and blessing to move you off that place so you don't get run over in this day and hour so that you serve God with your family, that you become a witness like never before, and that we see many sons and daughters come into the kingdom of God. I believe God has us alive for that very reason right now. It's time to rid ourselves of selfishness, of ambition and ego, and fall headlong into the will of God in submission and humility. Amen. Father, we worship you tonight. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, grace, your kindness, and your compassion. Lord, let your compassion flow in us and through us. Let us be a blessing to people. Lord, as we leave, as is our tradition, we thank you for protection, for safety, for blessing. We thank you whether we travel on the highways, the seaways, the railways, the airways, any other way of travel or transportation. We declare no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Father, that you have commissioned and assigned angels to protect us. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank in the righteous labor of our hands. Many have gone back to work. Many, many, many businesses are up and operating. Father, thank you. No accident, no trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under that shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And under his feathers do we trust. Let me help you with that just a minute because that really excited me. I got in and started digging into Psalms 91. I've always read, under his feathers do we trust? And I used to think, is God a bird? You ever thought that? And I've heard old Pentecostal preachers preach, just like a mama hen gathers all of her chicks under, the, under, her, under her wings. That's how God... Did you know none of that's true? Do you know what feathers he's talking about? He's talking about the security of being in the feathers of the cherubim that's around the mercy seat. I'll just leave that with you. You've got to go listen to the Psalms 91 teaching. You'll get that, and it'll change your mind from thinking God's a chicken. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance which we have. Let us go forth boldly. Let the fire of evangelism burn in us. Let us be a blessing to people, a problem to the devil, an answer to somebody's prayer, a miracle in someone's life. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, Lord. We leave walking in love toward one another. Thank you for Island Church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood. 
empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you.